Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Oh, what, 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 what up, fam? It's Nick, the host of this show. All right, instead of annoying you with annoying voices. Anyway, hey, thanks for listening. Why don't you, uh, you know, hit a like somewhere or subscribe to something. I, You know what? I don't know where you listen. I don't know how you listen. As long as you listen, right? I didn't mean for that to come off as angry. Just let's ignore that. Hey, thank you guys, though, for stopping by. We are about halfway through October here. It is October 14th. You guys ready for Halloween? You got your costumes? This is like the first time ever that I haven't like prepared or bought anything ahead of time. and Mainly because I don't even know what the hell's going on with Halloween this year anymore. But, you know, hey, that's the world we live in right now. So, you know, that's what's going on. Hope you guys are excited though. Maybe some parties. Because, hey, parties in Halloween are easy. In a year like this, because you know everyone's going to be wearing a mask, so you can fit your mask into your your costume. I guess you could say, but I don't know. Let's let's just keep moving on. Let's get to today's stories. Surprisingly slow week for news in in all facets of the industry. I it's weird because like there's no new TV yet, and you know the Arrowverse would be starting up about now with a new season, but. Obviously not. And just other other things. We're a month, about a month away from console launches. Essentially a month for both. By this point, a month from now at this point, both will be out. The PS5 will have launched on the 13th and the Xbox Series X on November 10th. So let the countdown begin, folks. But anyway, let's let's get into the thick of it, shall we? Let's talk about what is going on in the video game world. And some of the biggest news this week, of course, we finally got an idea of what is inside the PlayStation 5. And boy, boy, that that boy thick. Or what's what's that video of that dog? Uh, damn, boy, that's a thick-ass boy. You know that one? <laughs> and we finally know why it's so massive. And it's because of the new giant fan that keeps it cool and hopefully doesn't sound like a fucking jet engine like my PS4. Like, you play something simple and it's just like... It's... <laughs> okay, that, that was terrible. But but you get the idea. And I'm not the only person. You can go on Twitter and you can see a ton of it. And first off... So many parts. So many, many, many parts... Luckily, the side panels are somewhat easy to take off, and you can put expandable memory in it, uh, just similar to, I guess, PS4. But, like, when you compare it to the Xbox Series X, and this is actually funny, it's like, this one almost, it almost looks over-engineered. And the P- the Xbox Series X has a giant fucking fan, too. Like, that whole top thing is a fan. But it makes you wonder, it's like, why is this so big, though? And it, it, it's it's very similar to like how you had the 360 and how it just kept getting smaller. 
and then launch Xbox One, which was just like a VCR thing, comes out and it's just like, I know they're overcompensating because they didn't want like Red Ring of Death 2.0, but it's like, what's Sony doing? And it will help in a dramatic improvement in performance in terms of processing power and quietness, according to v, uh, Sony's VP of Mechanical Design, Yasuhiro Utori. It does have four USB ports, which is awesome. Because the PS4 just had like two. Which kind of sucks because the Series X only has like two, I think, total. And it does have a USB Type-C, so that's that's even better. And HDMI and, and LAN. And you can take the... People were dragging, though, how you switch from standing up to side. And it's just like this... this overcomplicated thing which is just kind of funny and Xbox UK unfortunately deleted their tweet but it's like how to how to go from the side standing to side and it's just you put the console on its side where it's like the PS5 you got to unscrew this thing and then like the tool and screw like hot, nicely hide in the stand though so that's nice and it just clips on but it it I don't know <laughs> Anyway, when you take the side panel off, the SSD drive you can put in, it's an M2 interface with the latest high-speed PCIe 4.0. So it's essentially those, same as a PC. So any standard off-the-shelf NVMe drive should work in this instance. And the motherboard is nice and big. It just, it, it is way bigger, way bigger than I thought. It was going to be, and there are way more parts than there should be in this thing. It shouldn't be this complicated because more parts just means more things to break. And that's, that's, there's a lot of venting on this thing though. So that, that's always good too, because these newer consoles are definitely going to get hot. That is, that is a guaranteed, they are going to get hot with all of those things that are going to be going on. Um, but we're not done with PS5 coverage just yet today. We also got news that PSN trophies are going to be overhauled uh, as we go into this new generation. And they're getting upgraded and, and updated. So now trophy levels will go from 1 to 100 to 1 to 999. And all trophies, previous trophies will carry over to PS5. Uh, just like they did from PS3 to PS4. Uh, this is per the PlayStation blog. It will. It, it's already started in North America, and uh, it's coming later this year to Europe. And your trophy level will automatically be remapped, quote, to a new level within it, this new range based on the trophies you've earned to date. So that's going to change. I guess if you went from, if they said, quote, if you're 12 currently, you will jump somewhere in the low 200s, unquote. Uh, it also depends on number and grades of trophies you've acquired. Uh, they've also added new trophies level calculation for optimized and rewarding early levels will be easier in progress through and levels will increase more consistently. Platinum trophies are going to be worth more now. And everything's going to change on the app. 
Uh, but anyway, the levels now go from bronze is levels 1 to 299, silver is 3 to 599, gold 6 to 998, and platinum is level 999. And they'll all change uh, with different distinction and, and things like that. So if you see a change on your PlayStation recently, don't be alarmed because that's all it was. And then we also got news on how finally how save transfers will work. And it's a very complicated thing that it it shouldn't be. So it's very interesting. Because, you know, with Xbox, it's just as long as it's in the cloud, it's going there, right? But per PlayStation, uh, PlayStation blog post, that some save data can be transferred from PS4 to PS5, but it's all developer decision. Uh, cloud saves will be available for P- PS Plus members. PS5 customers will find that their digital library will transfer once accounts are synced. So, are they different accounts then? Um, streaming PS4 games to PS5 or PS Now will also be available, but they won't get a performance boost, which is opposite of what's on Xbox, which I understand because I don't think they... It's kind of shitty that they can't because it's a newer system and it's boosted, but like, there's no reason it shouldn't, is all I'm saying. And they also announced which games will not be compatible on PS5 from PS4. So, you can transfer, quote, digital games and save data from a PS4 to a PS5 using Wi-Fi data transfer. Uh, No word yet on cloud saves, but I think they said that as long as your account is synced, you can. And uh, digitally purchased PS4 games will just be a case of downloading them from your game library, which is pretty nice. Discs can just be inserted. Uh, Some updates may be required. And I guess there's a game hub in the UI, which they haven't shown off yet. Otherwise, there's... Pretty much just 10 games that will not be able to be playable on the PS5. Those include DVVR or DWVR, Afro Samurai 2, TT Isle of Man, Just Deal With It, Shadow Complex Remastered, Robinson the Journey, We Sing, Hitman Go, Shadwen, and Joe's Diner. Well, that's pretty good. So a big chunk of PS4 games will be playable on, on your PS5. So that that's a... That's a good, nice thing for a lot of players. So, and, and it's actually really nice what they're doing with both both consoles. Big, large, playable category from the last generation as, as it wasn't so easy when the Xbox One first launched. And we all know what happened with PS3 games on PS4. So, <laughs> But some games will have game boost, which will have them run higher or uh, uh, with a higher or smoother frame rate. But... Some functionality might not be available. The share menu is gone. And the PS4 tournaments feature. So those are not going to be there. And you'll have to use the DualShock 4 controller for some of these games. Because you won't be able to use the DualSense. But that's, that's a separate issue entirely. But again, the fact that you can even use an old controller is volumes above what have, what's been done in the past. So it's that's always a good thing to hear. But uh, as we've stated before, no PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, or PlayStation 3 backwards compatibility. So don't expect that to come in the near future. 
Granted, things can always change with Sony. But that is it on all PS5 news for this week. Uh, it's, it's also been announced that Need for Speed Hot Pursuit is getting a remaster for this generation. Uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit originally launched, what was it, 2011, I want to say? Uh, 2010, so it's 10 years. That was a fun one. I think that's one of the few Need for Speeds I've ever actually played. A lot of the features will come back, uh, and they will be improved. And that launches on November 6th for Xbox One and PS4. And then on the 13th, a Switch version will follow. So Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. That was a fun game. I never really got in to Need for Speed. I was always a... um, I was always personally more into Midnight Club, and then of course Forza Horizon kind of filled that that void when when Midnight Club stopped coming out. But Need for Speed, granted, the last few have been kind of meh, not great, and not worth my time really. But Hot Pursuit definitely was a fun one, and its connectivity was fun. And a few of my friends had it, so we all got it. And I, th- I remember getting it on sale, and it, it was really fun to play with each other, uh, with some of us as cops and some of us, some of us as as racers. So that it is a different dynamic than other racing games, and that that is one thing that that Need for Speed always benefited from. But it's nice to see a, a game like that getting remastered. Now, remasters happen all the time at the end of a generation, or the beginning of one. But if we could just get a a new Need for Speed that everyone loved, because the last few, like I said, have have not done well critically. So it'd be nice to get some new things. Hell, if we can get a new Midnight Club, I'd be happy. So let's let's pray for that. (laughs) Right? But Nintendo and Universal Studios Japan have announced that Super Mario World will now open in the spring of 2021. It was supposed to open this, this year. But it is on track now to open in the spring, and if you guys are in Japan, and or you get to go to Japan anytime soon, and you're going to Universal Studios Japan, you should be able to get to play around in Super Nintendo World. Like I said, opening in the spring, which means up until the end of May for theme parks. (laughs) But, how about this? You know, last week we were talking about Star Wars Squadrons, which I'm still just so upset about. About the bugs that I haven't really picked it up again. And again, that's not something you ever want to have to have to happen. And at this point, I'm just going to wait for Series X because it is optimized. And hopefully by then all the bugs will be fixed. But EA Motive has announced that they have no plans for post-launch content right now. Nor an Oculus Quest port. And I'm sure a lot of Oculus Quests are going to be under the tree this year at Christmas time. Considering... How much more affordable it is than some other VR headsets. And per Upload VR, uh, creative director Ian Fraser said, Never say never, quote, but the team has no plans to add to the release product. He said, quote, we've tried to treat it in kind of an old school approach saying you paid the 40, this is the game and it's entirely self-contained. We're not planning to add more content. This is the game and we hope you understand and value proposition. Unquote. Uh, He also said, essentially, it's what you get. He ruled out Oculus Quest. And it's just, it's a little frustrating when you have a game like this that has 
loads of potential if you keep adding to it. And yes, I get the whole old school approach and you don't want to keep paying, but at the same time, it's like, I, uh, uh, you know, what, why am I getting this for $40? And I'm, some people, especially Star Wars fans, would be more than willing to dish out money for additional content on a game like this. And it, it's just, I don't know, it, it comes off as half-baked to a degree, especially after all the bugs that are in it. And honestly, I'd rather them fix all the bugs than, than worry about them trying to make post-launch content right away. And it, it would be nice to have more ships, just because I know the Rebellion was, was very wide in, in what they use. Like, it'd be nice to have B-Wings. It would be nice to have some... Uh, what What's even in the new canon anymore? K-Wings are gone. E-Wings are gone. I'm sure there's some Delta class holding over from the Clone Wars. I'm sure there's repurposed TIE Fighters. It'd be nice to get, like, a, a Re- Rebellion variant of TIE Fighters. It would be nice to get other TIE variants. Like the Interceptor. Or the TIE Defender. Things like that. So there, there's there's things that they could have added. Uh, could have been you can get hero ships. That'd be nice to put in there. Maybe the Millennium Falcon. Maybe Vader's Tie Advanced. Even though Vader's dead at that point in the timeline. The Ghost. You know Hera's in the game. So it's just I don't know. There definitely could be post-launch content. Like if they added new fighters, I'm sure people would enjoy it. And at the same time, let's hope they make a Clone Wars version. <laughs> because that'd be fucking awesome if they did that. That would be actually really cool if they added a Clone Wars version with Clone Wars ships. So let's pray for Star Wars Squadron's Clone Wars. <laughs> that I just thought of, and that would be very, very, very good idea. Don't expect post-launch content, and that's the frustrating thing. But that gives them time to fix all the bugs that are there. And they're there, as we talked about last week. Also, uh, more new fighters are coming to Mortal Kombat 11. Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate? What did they call call the expansion? Anyway, Rambo, Rain, and Melina are coming. Yes, you heard that right. Rambo. John Rambo. And he will be voiced by Stallone. Which is nice, because we didn't get... Terminator voiced by Arnold last time. But uh, Sylvester Stallone will be voicing John Rambo and he will be joining Mortal Kombat 11 later this year. Uh, also announced was Mortal Kombat Ultimate. See, Ultimate Edition is the one that's coming to next-gen consoles. Because they added that story DLC a couple months back. But uh, Combat Pack 2 will include Rambo, Rain, and Melina. And I think that's coming next month. But they've added a lot of 80s action stars to Mortal Kombat 11. And sorry, the the DLC uh, story was Aftermath. But they added the Terminator, the Robocop, and now John Rambo, right? So that's three 80s awesome action stars that have been added. Um, Of course, also since then, the Joker, Nightwolf, Shang Tsung... Sindel, Spawn, Fujin, Shiva, uh, Rambo, 
Melina, and Rain are now all going to be in all the, the combat packs. So just about every major character you can think of is 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 in Mortal Kombat 11. So it's 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 nothing to uh <laughs> nothing to shake a finger at essentially. And that's crazy that it's it's going to keep just keep going, man. But John Rambo. John Rambo. How about that? Mortal Kombat 11, boys. Mortal Kombat 11. But how about this? You guys, you guys a big fan of the mini consoles? I, I, I am somewhat. I have the PlayStation, uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and then the Genesis, because it was finally on sale. Sega has announced that they're thinking of what their next mini console will be. And according to an interview in uh, Famitsu, that... What was this? Uh, no, Silicon Era. No, he was talking to Famitsu, that's right. Sega creative producer Yosuke Okunari has hinted at what they're thinking of next. And he said, quote, I think for the next one we may go with a concept close to the Mega Drive Mini. If I have to say some names, it could be an SG-1000 Mini or a Dreamcast Mini. Also mentioned, quotes, projects that nobody has imagined, uh, unquote, for their next micro console. And he said, also, quote, the project scope will be much bigger as we gaze upon the world, unquote as they want to expand their mini or micro console range. Uh, The Game Gear Micro was announced uh, earlier this year. It came out uh, last week in Japan. Uh, No news yet on when it is coming to the West. And if they come out with a mini Sega Dreamcast, so many people's heads will explode. The Dreamcast is considered one of the greatest consoles of all time. Uh, it was Sega's first disc console, like official disc console, wasn't it? No, no. The Saturn, I think the Saturn was. I don't, I don't remember ever playing on a Saturn. I don't think it sold very well or for very long, if I remember reading Console Wars prop, uh, all the way. Uh, the Genesis did have a CD drive, but it was... What was this? The Saturn was a... Okay, the Saturn was a disc. But it essentially came out... It came out in 1995. was discontinued in 1998. And then, of course, the Dreamcast came out a year later. Oh, wow, that's crazy. The, the Genesis came out in 1989. And it was discontinued in 1997. Dude. What? What? That's insane, dude. That's crazy. The Genesis was around longer than the Saturn was. And I just... That is a console I remember playing for a very long time. Right? That thing, and then we had, like, through Cox, where you could, like, uh, play over the cable. And I remember playing Primal Rage a lot, which was was really, really fun. There was a handheld version of the Genesis? What? Anyway, 
What's really weird about Japanese consoles is there's like third party versions of them, and it it just it doesn't make any like sense <laughs> because I don't know it it it's why wouldn't you want like the official thing? But anyway, it, it's it's JVC had a version. What? Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Let's get a Dreamcast Mini. That that's all I could ask for. That would make many many people happy. Many people because the Dreamcast just it was it was not given its fair share or fair due, man. As long as they put Crazy Taxi on there, we're done, dude. Game over, man. Game over, man. That would be epic, though. One hundred percent. That would be a day one purchase for me, a Dreamcast Mini. And I would probably play that more than I play my PlayStation Mini or my Nintendo Mini. I, I haven't even, like, really opened my Genesis Mini. It's sitting in a box downstairs. Like, I have it, but I don't play it. And I should. I've just been playing way too much Warzone, man. Warzone has taken over. In a year that I could have blown through a black backlog, and I play freaking Warzone. Right? But that's because I've been playing with friends. So, uh, there's a trade-off, you know? But it happens. It happens. Anyway, let's uh, wrap up with video games with one last thing. Razer, yes, game peripheral maker Razer had its first convention and announced some new products. Uh, They announced their new Razer Blade Stealth, a new Razer laptop, a new mini microphone, and the first craziest thing to come out of Razer in in quite a, a while is a new gaming chair called the Isker. Uh, Quote, redefining gaming chairs with one-of-a-kind external lumbar support system, high-density foam cushioning, stylish multi-layered synthetic leather, and more. That will release... uh, That is out now, actually, for $499.99. It also comes with a 4D armrest system, whatever 4D means. Oh, because that can go up, down, out, I think. And uh, a memory foam neck pillow as well. Oh, they're trying to get into that high-end gaming chair land. And it has 26 degrees of customization for the lumbar support. support. Works to reduce aches and strains by supporting full curvature of the spine. That's if you're looking for a new gaming chair. Gaming chairs are not cheap, my friends. They are not cheap, but they are supposed to be very comfortable. So Razer's getting in on that market. Uh, a new gaming chassis, the Tomahawk, that is out now as well. It is made by... What is this? Oh, no, it's their own. The Tomahawk ATX and Mini ITX, which is a small form factor. They have uh, tempered glass on both sides. They work with their Chroma RGB lighting with the Razer Synapse. And those are available now for 179 for the Mini. And the ATX is coming later this year for $200. Uh, New partners have been announced for their Chroma RGB system, and they will have new motherboards that they are working in collaboration with ASRock that will have native Chroma ability. Uh, So that's it for RazorCon. Yes, they had their own little mini convention to announce new products. Uh, But that is it for gaming this week, guys. Let's move on to uh, TV here. Uh, Some cool stuff was announced at uh, New York Comic Con this past weekend. Um, We'll talk about that in a second. 
And uh, as you know, Witcher 2, or The Witcher, not Witcher 2, Witcher Season 2 on Netflix is, is going to be coming soon. And uh, what was actually hinted at, and it hasn't been officially announced yet, but the Writers Guild of America has hinted at a possible Witcher Season 3, which, given how well The Witcher has done for Netflix, is, is not unexpected. It's, it's actually just not surprising at all. Uh, but what's surprising is that it was done through a directory on the Writers Guild of America website, of all, pla- of all places. So don't be surprised when The Witcher Season 3 is officially announced by Netflix in the next few weeks or months. And uh, HBO has announced they have made a major casting for uh, House of the Dragon, their upcoming Game of Thrones spinoff prequel. Um, this now, we have cast this King Viserys Targaryen. Uh, remember, this show will take place several hundred years before uh, Game of Thrones. And what is it? It's 300 years before. Uh, he will be played by... Patty Considine, uh, you might know him from Hot Fuzz, uh, I think he was in Peaky Blinders, and uh, yeah, he was in Peaky Blinders and The Girl with All the Gifts, uh, he, is, he plays one of the detectives though in Hot Fuzz, and uh, official synopsis from HBO is, quote, King Viserys Targaryen is chosen by the lords of Westeros to succeed the old King Jaehaerys Targaryen at the Great Council at Harrenhal. A warm, kind, and decent man, Viserys only wishes to carry forward his grandfather's legacy, but good men do not necessarily make for great kings, unquote. But this is, uh, like I said, it's going to be a prequel when the Targaryens were still in very much power uh, before they were thrown out in Robert's Rebellion. So it will be interesting to see how this show plays out and to see Hall in its full glory, actually. So if you remember from Game of Thrones, Hall is the destroyed kingdom, kingdom, the destroyed castle that is used at several different points in the story, uh, mostly held by the, not the Baratheons, but the Lannisters at some point. And, yeah, no, it was the, the Lannisters held it. I think it was in their, it was, it was under their lands anyway. And they used it during their fight with the the war in the north and things like that. Uh, but it's that castle that's just completely destroyed because uh, the the who destroyed? I'm pretty sure the pretty sure that it was destroyed by a Targaryen king. I don't know when in the story though. My my Game of Thrones lore is is severely lacking, but that is something to look out for there. Can't wait to see when that show uh, comes out. I guess it was it was recently delayed to 2022. We talked about that, I think it was last week or two weeks ago when we talked about that. That was two weeks ago when we talked about that. But, oh, that sucks, man. Yeah, that was two weeks ago. But, no worries. At least HBO knows what they're doing when it comes to Game of Thrones. So let them take their time to make sure it works because they don't want to have a repeat of the final season. For, that's for sure. Uh, a couple also new DC shows were announced over at HBO Max. Uh, the first of which is a new show aimed at kindergartners called Bat Wheels. Yeah, you heard that right, Bat Wheels. And it will be focusing on the Batmobile. Yeah, the Batmobile is getting an animated show, folks. That's That's where we're at. Sometimes, just as DC and Warner are making really good decisions, 
they come out and drop this turd on people. If the this, uh, Crypto the Superdog cartoon didn't work, why would a show of talking cars, let alone talking Batmobiles, work? I just... I don't know, man. <laughs> I do not know. But with that, at least we did get some good DC news. And they have officially announced the Green Lantern show. It will be a one-hour drama. Uh, Seth Graham Smith, the director of, of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and writer of It, uh, will be the sur- the showrunner. Or no, he wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, Mark Guggenheim, who's produced pretty much all the, the DC shows on TV, will co-write as well. And it ha- they have announced which Green Lanterns are going to be in the show. We will not have Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart. Which I think is a good thing, because save them for the movies, save them for the big, the big leagues. Otherwise, it will uh, quote. It says it will depict the adventure of a multitude of lanterns. Uh, and here it is at the official press release from HBO Max, DC Berlanti Productions, a Greg Berlanti, and Warner Brothers Television comes a bold adaptation of the iconic comic book franchise, a saga spanning decades and galaxies. Green Lantern will depict the adventures of a multitude of lanterns, including Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, and Alan Scott, Earth's first Green Lantern, who true to the comics is a gay man, and many more. The series will also include fan favorites such as Sinestro and Kilowog, and will also introduce new heroes to the ranks of the Green Lantern Corps. Unquote. So, mostly all Earthlings. Uh, Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz are the most recent additions to the lore in DC Comics and the Green Lantern. Uh, Jessica Cruz, of course, is from one of the alternate universes. Uh, she was a formerly a power ring with the crime syndicate and is now a uh, Green Lantern after she fully transitioned over. Nice to see Sinestro and Kilowog. I wonder if Sinestro will be part of the Yellow Lantern or he'll still be a Green Lantern at this point. And uh, what's interesting, though, is also Alan Scott. So if you guys don't know, Alan Scott was the original Green Lantern during the Golden Age of comics. The Golden Silver Age. Anyway, this is pre, pre-modern comic storylines. Uh, Pre-Hal Jordan, I should say. And he technically is not a true Green Lantern in the sense of the Green Lanterns. Like, his, more, his power is more magic. And he wore this, like, red and purple outfit with this fancy cape. And he technically, like, he didn't have an outfit or power that was, it wasn't willpower, right? He used magic compared to Hal Jordan, Kilowog, Guy Gardner. They all have the black and green outfits, the the power ring. They don't carry their lantern around. And, of course, they work with the Guardians of Oa and, you know, in Blackest Day and Darkest Night. Jive. So, and, you know, he hung out with... Ted Cord Blue Beetle, the original Blue Beetle. So this is back in like the 50s and 60s. So that's really cool. Uh, Guy Gardner, 1980s. And he's the one who has like the, the vest. Like the radical vest, man. But, oh, you know what? No mention of Kyle, Kyle Rayner. I mean, technically he's a White Lantern now, but that's interesting. That is very interesting, but now that I think about it, very, very, very telling that it's not no Kyle Rayner as well. 
Granted, Kyle Rayner is one of the more important Green Lanterns, but I'm shocked at that, actually. I wonder if they're going to keep him from being a Green Lantern. That's something to ponder, and we will revisit that in the future as more news comes out about the Green Lantern show as it comes out. But uh, HBO Max is sticking around, though, with comic book adaptations. They've also announced a Lumberjanes adaptation. Lumberjanes is a famous image comics uh, that focuses on... I'm pretty sure... I, I don't want to mess this up. I, I know Lumberjanes, but I don't know Lumberjanes. And... Oh, Boom Studio, excuse me, so not Image. And it's, uh, this is per Wikipedia. The story follows a group of girls named Mal, Ripley, Molly, April, and Joe spending summer at a scout camp and the strange creatures and supernatural phenomena they encounter there. Originally planned as an eight-part series, a comic was made in an ongoing series following strong sales and critical acclaim. It will end this year in 2020, ending its six-year run. And... Let me see. Uh, here's an overview per Wikipedia as well. The story is set in and around Miss Qu- Quinzella Thisquin Penequiquil Thistle Crumpets Camp for Hardcore Lady Types, a summer camp whose attendees are known as Lumberjane Scouts. The five scouts of the Roanoke Cabin, Joe, April, Molly, Mal, and Ripley, witness a mysterious old woman transforming into a bear, and after following her into the woods, encounter a hostile pack of three-eyed supernatural foxes. As more three-eyed creatures start to appear, the girls task themselves with solving the mysterious, the mystery surrounding the camp. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. And, oh, what? Each issue ends with a track listing for a mixtape prepared by one of the characters. I am so down for that. I do want to read this now, and I do want to watch the show. Oh, they were featuring a uh, crossover with Gotham Academy already a few years ago. I need that was supposed to be a good series. Gotham Academy. That was uh, I I read good things about that one. So okay, so it is for. Let me see. I don't know. I don't want to say anything. It's an all-ages female-led female author title. Okay, here. Someone said Lumberjanes is the book that so many have asked for, both accessible and girl-friendly without sacrificing entertainment value for the older set. Girls doing for girls is important in comics, especially because it's traditionally dominated by male characters and creators. Uh, That's Alison Barry of Comic-O-City. Comic-O-City. That's probably how you say that. And... Oh, it's won two Eisner Awards. That's a really good thing. Uh, Glad Awards. And so it's not live action. This is going to be an animated series. And it will be on HBO Max. One hour animated special. Well, it will begin. So I can't wait to see how that turns out. I want to read this book. I'm sure I can just get the collections now. So, yeah, Lumberjanes, coming to HBO Max uh, sometime in the future. Be on the lookout for that. And I think that's it for HBO Max stuff. 
uh, HBO, uh, Netflix has announced a new anime uh, focused around Godzilla. It will be completely separate from the, the, the Godzilla anime that came out last year, the three-part series. And uh, it will actually feature some talent, former Studio Ghibli talents working behind the desk on designing Godzilla and some of the other characters. So that's coming next year as well. And it looks to be very different. They showed off some of the, the characters, and it looks to be a different take for sure. And I'll take all things Godzilla, as long as it's good. Because I gave that other Godzilla anime a chance, and that shit was just... That was bad. That was so bad. I could not... I could not watch it, man. It was not good. And I did not like the animation style at all. That was part of the other reason. It's just... It was unbearable to watch, man. I could just not stomach it. Anyway, um... A few weeks back, we talked about the new Star Trek Prodigy animated series that's going to be airing on Nickelodeon in the future. Well, got some heavy hitters coming to throw their weight behind this show. Kate Mulgrew, famous for playing Catherine Janeway, Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager, will be returning to the Star Trek universe to voice Catherine Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. And it will officially be 20 years since she last played Janeway at the end of Star Trek Voyager. And of course, what, Star Trek Nemesis she had a cameo in, which was 2002. So uh, technically 20, 20, almost 20 years since she played Janeway last, officially. And I wonder how it's going to tie into Prodigy, because Prodigy is about like those reckless, rambunctious teens who steal a starship or find an abandoned starship. Yeah, uh-huh, abandoned. And I wonder if she'll be washed out of Starfleet, if she's going to be on the on looking out for them. But Janeway is probably my second favorite captain. And I've been like in a real Star Trek kick since since Picard came out. And of course, you know, I've been with uh, uh lower decks we we I've been watching and loving uh, so much. I actually recently just went back to Deep Space Nine as well. Deep Space Nine was the show that got me into Star Trek. I would come home and watch it in the afternoons. It was, what, 4 o'clock? It was Deep Space Nine and Next Generation. Eventually I went just straight into Next Gen and was hooked from there. And and I like the Star Trek movies too, but like I never like fully got into it until later. Um, and man, Disco- uh, D- D- Deep Space Nine is a lot better than than I remember it. And I mainly started watching it again because I had a friend who just finished rewatching. And uh, I'm in season three now. I've I've knocked out two seasons in just about uh, a couple of weeks. But Deep Space Nine is a lot better than I remember. Uh, I, I watched rewatched TNG about a year ago, so that's still really fresh in my mind. And I'm probably going to go back and rewatch Voyager, even though I've seen bits and pieces of it. Probably when I'm done with this. But and I started Discovery finally for real this time. It's okay, Discovery's. I heard everyone said it gets better as we get to the end of season one, so I'll give it a chance with with season three starting up soon. Um, but I do want to talk about Lower Decks, and the season finale of of Lower Decks was just, like, amazing. 
Riker is in it of all cameos. I did not expect Riker and Troy of all people. We got our first official canon appearance of the USS Titan, which is the ship that Riker becomes the captain of at the end of Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, mainly because this movie takes place just a few years after that. And, oh man, he just comes in being all Riker. And he knows Mariner, which is which is even better. Uh, and while he's flying around, the, the theme of Next Generation is playing in the background. But, and obviously, like, Riker is known for just going, red alert. And of course, as soon as he shows up in, in Lower Decks, red alert. <laughs> and he just does does Riker things and his cockiness is just oh god it's so good man you guys need to watch Lower Decks if you're a fan of Star Trek and you have CBS All Access watch Lower Decks honestly it's it's better it's better than Picard and Picard was great Lower Decks is from Rick and Morty veterans and it's on CBS All Access it is an animated show but it's definitely not for kids and honestly, it's like the best addition to Star Trek in a very long time. And the voice cast is phenomenal. And uh, was Trondi Newman or Tawny Newman? What's her? Anyway, Tron, I think, no, Trondi's her Insta- Instagram handle. But uh, Jack Quaid, yes, Jack Quaid of the boys and son of, of Dennis Quaid. And what's, I, I want to know her name now. Tawny Newsom can't even say her name right she's also in in uh space force on netflix he also created solar opposites which was on hulu which i talked about when it came out and that show was fucking great as well uh he was a writer and producer for rick and morty uh he's really good friends with with justin roiland so makes sense but it is a very very good show. Lower Decks is hilarious. It's great. It's so many callbacks to other Star Trek stuff. They Q was on it a couple weeks ago. Like if if you just you need to check out you need to check out Lower Decks. 100% worth it to get CBS All Access for their free trial to watch it. And then of course if you get hooked there's all other Star Trek stuff on there. But Lower Decks is hilarious. Hilarious. But Lower Decks, honestly, 10 out of 10. And the Riker stuff was was amazing, and it was cool to have um, Jonathan Frakes, you know, come back to, to voice him. But Lower Decks, man. Lower fucking Decks. And uh, before we talk about this, the boys' season finale, uh, we, at New York Comic Con, we got our first look at the new MODOK show. The new Marvel R-rated show coming to Hulu, MODOK. And uh, stars... Uh, Patton Oswalt as Modoc. It's going to be a, a clay claymation stop motion show, which is really interesting. So I don't see the long term. Granted, look at how long Robot Chicken's been on, <laughs> and it, it looks really funny actually. And it it's it's going to be satire and spoof, which I'm okay with. That's what Patton Oswalt is known for, uh, which is funny because it's a total heel heel turn from the Modoc that you get in the Marvel's Avengers game. <laughs> so it's funny to see them differently and uh during their panel they talked about how they they can use a, they, they they're able to use a ton of characters from the marvel universe because it's a standalone separate thing from from the mcu and everything like that and uh, this is marvel tv which is technically defunct as uh, everything is now under marvel studios and the mcu but uh this will be premiering on hulu in the near future 
but the the final thing I want to talk about TV wise, of course, is the season finale, The Boys. The Boys has been on fire for all of season two, as uh, their fight with Vought and the Seven ramped up. Uh, all of it, of course, coming to a head at the end with uh, with Butcher and 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 Huey and all that. Uh, it was interesting to see where what heroes fell on what side of things, especially with with uh, A Train. And where he ended up, uh, we find out who it was that that did all the head exploding in, in the the penultimate episode. Uh, Stormfront got her comeuppance, not surprisingly there. Uh, in in what was a, a beatdown between her getting just beat down by the female played by Karen Fukuhara, Maeve, and Starlight, and, and that was just whoa, whoa. And what she turns into, of course, Homelander's son causes that to get out of hand even more. But but Maeve finally grown a pair and standing up to Homelander was, was really fun to see. Unexpected turns as well that, of course, like I said, it pertains to who the head popper is, was, was not expected. And you wonder then, are they working for Vought? Are they doing their own thing? And it's kind of like, whoa, what's going on? What are we going to expect in season three? And and it, it all caps off with a lovely scene of Homelander that I'm not going to describe because you just need to watch it. But season two of The Boys was just, was, 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 was great. Season one was a great start off to the show. Season two, clearly they, they came into their own and knew what they were doing, which means season three should be like, amazing and i know i'm setting really high bars but what i mean by that is like they they know where they can go what they can't do and they know what works so it's it's going to be like smooth sailing for season three and i'm excited to see how they handle certain characters that were introduced in season two and how they were scheming and plotting and of course now to see now that some of these players are out of the game how that affects things moving forward for sure but but solid season two. I can't wait to see what happens when season three premieres. I think sometime next year at this point. But uh, that's it for TV. Let's get to the sad movie news as per usual as of late. Hot off the heels of Disney delaying a whole bunch of stuff last week. Warner Brothers has now delayed a slew of movies. Uh, Dune, just weeks after releasing a new trailer, has been delayed till October 24th. October 1st of 2021. Yeah, we've got to wait a whole year now instead of two months. The Batman, which has faced multiple delays due to COVID, uh, has now been delayed from October of next year to March 4th of 2022, which now delays all the other DC films. The Flash is now November 2022. Shazam 2 has been moved to June 23. And Black Adam has been pulled from the schedule, which will only be temporary. I don't think we have to worry. They just showed it off. The Rock is a big bankable star. They're not they're not going to not release Black Adam. Like no no need to fear. They're just need to restructure and figure out how it's going to fit into their plans. Uh, however, with things being delayed, The Matrix has been moved up from March 2022 to December 2021. Uh, and then the Minecraft movie has also been pulled. That movie, though, is in, has been in development hell for quite a while now with Rob McElhenney 
pulling out as director over creative differences. They have a new director. I don't even know if anything has even started on that film. So that you're going to have to wait a while for Minecraft probably if it even happens anymore. But like I said, don't worry about Black Adam. I don't think we have to worry about that. Hopefully this allows the Batman to iron things out and make sure they get everything done and not have to rush. I don't want a rushed Batman movie. You don't want a rushed Batman movie. We want them to be able to take their time on it, and that's fine. And just allow everyone to make sure that if there are more delays due to COVID, they can fit those in and not have to worry. Um, which just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. Let's be honest, it sucks that we have to wait even longer. But But it gives more time between Batman films, which could be beneficial as well um but i don't know sucks man anyway we are getting i don't know if you guys know this but the uh cinematic version of resident evil is getting rebooted uh and this comes from constantine film and johannes roberts the new writer and director of the new film it's going to be an origin story so we're going back to the beginning here so that this isn't uh you know Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich. This is new, new set. It will be set in 1998 on a fateful night in Raccoon City. And it will... It's separate from the Netflix show. Uh, they've announced the cast. So it will star Kayla, Kea Scotelario, who was in Maze Runner and one of the more recent pirates, as Claire Redfield. Hannah John Kamen, who played Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp, as Jill Valentine. Robbie Amell, cousin to Stephen Amell, who was uh, in the Legends of Tomorrow for a short period of time, and was also in Upload, the new show on Amazon, will play Red Chris Redfield. Tom Hopper, uh, who you might know as playing uh, number one in uh, Umbrella Academy, uh, will play Albert Wesker. A A Avon? Avon? Jogia? Yogia? I'm guessing, uh, who was in Zombieland Double Tap, will play Leon S. Kennedy. And Neil McDonough, who was just a, a fantastic actor and it was also in a lot of the Arrowverse, will play William Birkin, Dr. William Birkin. And uh, that it, it's, a, it's a big departure from the previous cast, of course. Oh, this is funny. I don't even remember some of these people. I haven't seen half of the Resident Evil movies in a long time but uh, per the director Jonas Roberts he said quote I really wanted to go back to the original first two games and recreate the terrifying visceral experience I had when I first played them whilst at the same time telling a grounded human story about a small dying American town that feels both relatable and relevant to today's audience and it looks like they're going to blend elements of the first two games and all that. So that's a that's a good sign. And it is Constantine film who who did produce the original films. Uh, but it won't be related to those. And it's separate, like I said, from the Netflix series that Capcom is working on. And yeah, that's going to be awesome. And it will premiere sometime in next year. I don't know if they've even started filming yet since they just announced the cast, but It'll be fun to see how they take things. But uh, more movie delays. Jurassic World Dominion has officially been delayed to June of 2022, a full year. 
Granted, filming was delayed for months uh, this this year, obviously, due to everything going on in 2020. Uh, most recently faced some delays as some of the crew were had positive diagnoses. So, again, another film needing more time to to grow, and that's okay. And who knows, if they finish early, maybe it will come out earlier. I, it doesn't, as long as they do it right. As long as they do it right. God damn it, why? Why? <laughs> I'm so sad. The movies is like one of my favorite things, and it, it just sucks not being able to go. But anyway, uh, The New Mutants, the most recent and final X Fox X-Men film, will hit digital HD and home video on November 17th. So about a month from now, you'll be able to watch New Mutants if you didn't see it in theaters. Uh, if theaters opened near you, <laughs> that is. Uh, but home release, November 17th. Uh, and then we got some news uh, regarding the MCU. It looks like, on top of Jamie Foxx coming back to Spider-Man, Benedict Cumberbatch has signed on to play Doctor Strange in Spider-Man 3, which has now led to a massive wave of speculation regarding the Spider-Verse, since Doctor Strange 2 is the multiverse film, and how that will tie into the MCU and make it bigger. But now, rumors abound. Now, a week, considering this news came out after the Jamie Foxx thing, and even though Jamie Foxx says he's playing a different version of Electro, now people are wondering if, with Cumberbatch coming in as Doctor Strange, does that mean we're getting a crossover? Like, this is officially that Electro coming over from a different universe? Uh, granted, they've played around with the, the, the multiverse already with with Far From Home. Of course, we had the Spider-Verse movie. Now people are wondering if this will mean Gar- Andrew Garfield and, and Tobey Maguire. Does this mean we'll get different villains? It, 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 it's a whole lot of stuff flowing around out in the ether right now with not a whole lot of official things coming around. So they will start filming next uh, next week, I think it is, in Queens. Uh, what's funny is they're they're filming under Serenity now, and if you're if you're a Seinfeld fan, it makes sense. But but uh, Spider-Man Three begins filming later this month, uh, and is expected to release later next year. So be on the lookout for that. And speaking of the MCU, uh, Disney Plus has actually reorganized its Marvel section, and if you go now, you'll see non-MCU films will be labeled. Uh, Marvel Legacy movies, so X-Men, Fantastic Four, and then now, uh, this is per The Verge, they're also listed by phase, so Phase 1 films, Phase 2, Phase 3, Phase 4, they also have one in timeline order, so chronological, and that's really cool, so like it starts with Captain America, then Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and then like I said, Marvel Legacy films. And then Marvel Legacy Animated Shows. So that will help you understand what's going what and, and all that kind of stuff in the Marvel section of Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus is constantly changing and updating and things like that. So it was I, I know people complained about how Marvel was organized in the beginning. I, I don't do a whole lot of Marvel on Disney+. Plus. I stick to Star Wars and like just traditional Disney things. But that's... Um, it's nice to see them organize that for people who maybe haven't seen it who are, or who are new uh, new to the MCU in, in general. And uh, that's a nice way to organize things. But, 
that is uh, a fun thing to, to go on with that. And uh, just wrapping up Disney here. Uh, Disney has announced that uh, their new Pixar film, Soul, which was originally scheduled for a theatrical release, I think this month or next month, will now officially release on Christmas Day on Disney+. Plus. Uh, no word on if they are going to charge for it like they did Mulan. Uh, the press release didn't mention it, so they're speculating that probably not. But again, it, it could be possible. I mean, they put they put um, Onward on there for free. Granted, it was already in theaters for a couple weeks before that, but... Uh, you should be able to watch Soul Christmas Day on Disney Plus, and uh, that is uh, that's it for movie news. Actually, you know what? I did want to talk about this. Gal Gadot uh, in a will be playing Cleopatra in a film for Patty Jenkins, who's directed her in both Wonder Woman films, and it, it, it's always interesting. Always interesting to have like beautiful women play Cleopatra because in in reality, Cleopatra was never considered like beautiful like if you go back and look at old quotes from from the roman times so uh granted she was one of the last ptolemaic uh queens of of egypt and if if you listen to plutarch quote her actual beauty it is said was not in itself remarkable but the attraction of her person joining with the charm of her conversation was something bewitching it was a pleasure merely to hear the sound of her voice with which like an instrument of many strings, she could pass from one language to another, so that there are, were few of the nations that she needed an interpreter, which was all the more surprising because most of her predecessors scarcely gave themselves the trouble to acquire the Egyptian tongue. Uh, granted, that is Plutarch. Uh, some Roman s- scholars described her as tart, but, uh, I mean, it all comes down to Granted, she's the product of Ptolemaic incest as well, the, the Ptolemy dynasty. So it, it, it's interesting to see her always played by beautiful women, which kind of goes against the narrative. And, you know, Elizabeth Taylor played her, what, 50 years ago at this point? Gal Gadot is now playing her, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to have issue with because obviously Gal Gadot is from Israel and she's playing a queen of egypt but again she was ptolemaic so she wouldn't have been egyptian she would have been more greek or roman uh, not necessarily white but olive skin more closer to middle easterners and granted gal Gadot being from israel kind of fits the bill for that uh, more european but it will be interesting patty jenkins knows how to make a movie gal Gadot is a, has turned into a wonderful actress so i i'm excited to see where where cleopatra goes and if it's going to be anything like the old Liz Taylor movie, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I'll just say that now. But uh, that is it for Nixner News this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, check out nixnernews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast pages. Uh, while you're there, why don't you like and subscribe and uh, throw a review down if, if you want. Uh, also, while you're at nixnernews.com, check out our social tab where you can find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts, or you can see all the feeds right there. Uh, Otherwise, just search Nixner News on your preferred social media tab of choice. Post a lot of funny memes and a lot of funny things, always. But thank you guys for listening. I am Nick, your host, and I will catch you guys on the flip side.